Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we begin chapter 12 in the book of Mark. Yes, we're still in the Passover week, which will eventually culminate in Jesus' crucifixion. But Jesus is still preaching the gospel. And in today's passage, after being confronted by the scribes and Pharisees about where Jesus gets his authority, Jesus begins to teach in a parable. And this parable, well, let's just say it didn't paint the religious leaders of the day in a positive light. And that much they clearly understood. But they didn't learn. They didn't repent. They chose instead to resent and just sought all the more to kill him for speaking the truth. The warning was ignored, and warnings that come from God, well, they're not wise to ignore. Here is today's slice of the sermon entitled, What Will the Owner Do? But really, what was in their minds and who spoke the words of the answer to the question really doesn't matter. What does matter is that you learn what Jesus said was the main point of this parable. It is about how Israel rejected and persecuted the prophets of God that He sent to them up to and including John the Baptist. Also, how they rejected the Son. And it also shows us that Jesus knew full well He was about to be killed by those men there who were confronting Him in the temple. So learn from the past. That's why Isaiah is there, so that there would not theoretically have needed to be a Mark chapter 12. But secondly, don't reject the cornerstone. Now, this is, this is pithy. This is, this is direct. God holds spiritual leaders accountable for knowing and understanding His Word and for instructing people so that they understand. So, might be a new point in outline in our outline it's the next breath in what Jesus was saying mark 12:10 and 11 have you not read this scripture oh i mean you got to stop there and let that sink in that is sarcastic pointed insulting and personal I picture him looking exactly at the leader of the scribes, the leader of the Pharisees, the leader of the Sadducees, and saying, did you ever read your Bible? Have you never heard anything like this before? Have you not even read the Scripture? And now, he's not going to quote from Isaiah. He's going to quote from Psalm 118, verses 22 and 23. Have you not even read this Scripture? The stone which the builders rejected, this became the chief cornerstone, and this came about from the Lord, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Jesus openly mocked them in public for their spiritual 
blindness. There was this huge contrast between their claims that they were the keepers of the Word of God, the proclaimers of the Word of God, and yet while they claimed that, they rejected what it actually says. And Jesus says, that Word talks about you. And if you'd read and understood and believed what the Old Testament said, you would have immediately embraced John the Baptist. You would have immediately embraced me, says Jesus, when he comes. So he quotes this time from Psalm 118, 22 and 23. Another little interesting sidebar here. This quote is from the Septuagint. We can discern that from the, the, the wording of it. The Septuagint is the, the translation of the Hebrew Old Testament into Koine Greek, the lingua franca of the world at the time that, that, that Jesus came. The language of the New Testament is Koine Greek. And that reaffirms our understanding that he often spoke in Greek. Obviously, he often spoke in Aramaic as well, the Hebrew dialect of that time. It's likely that he quoted from the Septuagint on this occasion in the temple because it was the Passover and there were visitors from all over the Roman Empire, including those for whom Greek was their first language, even the Jews or the the Hellenistic Jews, if you will. Many of them were Greek speakers and so he used Greek in settings like that. That was free of charge. But what he's saying is, the builders here, who are they? Well, they're, the, they're what the leaders of the Jews should have been. They should have been building the kingdom of heaven. But instead, they were plotting to murder the king. The chief cornerstone Well, that's another metaphor, and you'd say, okay, well, Jesus is going to get a bad grade on this essay because he's mixing his metaphors. He's gone from the vineyard to the the building. Take that up with Jesus. You might not get away with that on an English paper. He's building upon, I didn't mean that as a pun, but it works. Uh, He's putting these two together. The chief cornerstone is the first stone laid in the foundation of a building. It determines the position of the building, and it is the stone used as the reference point for all measurements to determine everything else in the building. So, have you not read this scripture? The stone which the builders rejected, this became the chief cornerstone. And then look what he says. This came about from the Lord. That's a very strong statement of God's sovereignty and foreknowledge. God planned it this way. You say, well, wait a minute. Do you mean God planned for Israel to rebel against Him? God caused them to sin? No, I don't mean that. I mean that He did not sit on the edge of His seat in heaven and fret over what to do about Israel's sin and the apostasy of her leaders um, and, and the rejection of the, Messiah, uh, of, the, of the Messiah because all along He knows where history is headed. He is in charge of it all. That does not mean that God is responsible for the sins of those people. It does mean that God is not the victim of their sins. He's not the victim of the rebellion of man. God knows exactly what He will do. He's not on plan B. He's on His plan. He knows the end from 
the beginning, and He will sort it out and get Himself glory through His plan of redemption. Never the victim of the act of any man. This came about from the Lord. And look at the next phrase. The result is, it is wonderful in our eyes. It really is amazing. It is awe-inspiring to contemplate what God has done in spite of man's rebellion, what He has accomplished to secure your redemption. Here you sit today, 2,000 years after that. And if you're a Christian, and therefore a member of the body of Christ, it's because of the wonderful work of God in spite of the sins of mankind. As a matter of fact, in spite of your own sins. So he's saying, learn from the past. Guys, you really should have known better. You are 100% responsible for your own spiritual demise. Secondly, he says to us, don't reject the cornerstone. And now finally today, produce fruit. I say finally today, and you look at your watch and say, wow, we're getting out early. Don't worry, I got it covered. (laughs) Remember that other finger that's over in Matthew 21? We're going to be spending some time there. But Mark 12, verse 12. And they were seeking to seize Him. Who's they? The chief priests and the scribes and the elders. And they were seeking to seize Him, and yet they feared the people, for they understood that He spoke the parable against them. And so they left Him and went away. They came to the temple to shut down Jesus, embarrass Him, humiliate Him, arrest Him, and and, and put Him in prison uh, to hold Him until they could get Him crucified. That was their intention when they came today, when they came that day. What happened? Tails tucked. They slithered away. Now, to deepen our understanding, I want us to eavesdrop again on Matthew's slightly fuller record of the end of this parable. It's not a surprising that Matthew would say more about it because Matthew wrote for Jews. He includes more of the words of Jesus relating to the connection with the Old Text, uh, with the Old Testament, like the book of Isaiah, like Psalm 118. And he also says more about the disconnection between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. He, he explains more in a, in a theological way from a Jewish frame of reference. Now, Matthew says the same thing Mark says, but he includes more of the eschatological and dispensational significance of this parable. Here's Jesus' punchline of the parable as Matthew records it beyond what Mark said. Matthew 21, 43. Therefore, I say to you, How much more can you say, this is what that story was about? Therefore, I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing the fruit of it. This is my point, says Jesus. Therefore, I say to you, the kingdom of God, 
Sometimes it's called the kingdom of God, mainly in Matthew. Sometimes, or mainly, sometimes it's called kingdom of heaven, mainly in Matthew. Sometimes it's called kingdom of God, mainly in the other Gospels. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.